Blog Talk Radio. And welcome once again to the Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rootwork Hour, brought to you by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. I'm your announcer, Clifford Lowe of clifflow.com in scenic, scenic, New Jersey, and in just a moment, we'll be joined by our co-host, Catherine Ironwood of luckymojo.com in Forestville, California, and Conjureman of conjuremanconsulting.com in Mission Viejo, California. This week, we'll be joined by a special guest, Doc Murphy of RootDocMurphy.com in the Twin Cities of Minnesota and Paganistan, bringing us today's topic of When Will I Be Wise? They will take your calls and offer advice to address, ameliorate, and remediate your questions and problems about love, money, career, and spiritual protection using traditional African-American folk magic practices of hoodoo, conjure, or root work as divined and prescribed by the greatest spiritual hoodooism of our time. You can learn a lot just by listening, but if you're selected from among those who signed up at the Lucky Mojo forum at forum.luckymojo.com and called into the show, then you'll be on the air and receive a free consultation. We'll be going to the phones in just a moment, but first, let's catch up with our co-hosts, Catherine Ironwood and Conjurman. Miss Cat? Oh, I'll tell you something. It's nice to hear your voice, Clifford. I just had a complete electron meltdown between the moment the music started and now. And your soothing voice helped me get through it. Damn Mercury retrograde. But it's all there. It's okay. I don't know if anyone could hear me. As the music started, I was going, oh, fuck, fuck, fuck. I just lost a whole bunch of text. But it's back. It just went into temporary electron dock land, something that some of you Mac users would know what I mean. It went to dock, temporary heaven, and then it came back. <laughs> oh, Lord, what a day. Um, I'm going to tell you, folks, this has been something. This has been some week. There has been so much happening, much of it very good. Um, But I'm going to just start with um, a a little comment. Um, I've been working hard, um, you know, promoting our shows, promoting our shop, promoting our collective and collaborative work as readers and root workers. And I have begun to see some real results. I don't want to spend my life as a, you know, promoter for my friends and for myself, but um, I do have a talent for it. I always have had. And it's kind of like, you know, playing a game and racking up points and pinball or something, you know. So um, with that said, I just want to thank everybody who has decided to follow me on Instagram, Catherine Ironwood. All in one word, all run together, all lowercase. And everyone who has decided to follow the Lucky Mojo Curio Company on Instagram, which is Lucky Mojo Curio Co., all one word, all lowercase, all run together. And it's made um, working a little harder than usual to get the word out. Um, Happy for me because I'm, you know, getting points. The points consist of followers. 
So that's been my week, working very, very hard at that, taking photos and reading candles and um, and finding out that no matter how many posts I make at Instagram, the posts about the cats always get more likes. That's enough to humble a person when your cat gets more likes than you do. (laughs) Every reader and root worker who wants a career must get a cat, apparently. I'm lucky. I've always had cats, but um, that's the Instagram way of life. Also, pretty much the Facebook way of life. Although Facebook people, I also... Another thing, and maybe um, a couple of my old journalistic friends will get this. Who would have thought that Facebook would have become long-form journalism and Mm. Instagram (laughs) would have become captionizing? Right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Just saying. Mm -hmm. Just saying. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The death of long-form journalism is, is, you know, coming at us over the horizon. All right. Well, that's my news. I've been working very, very hard. And reading candles, which I haven't done on a regular basis. I've been doing it on a pickup basis for years. But um, the days are past when I was the only candle reader at Missionary Independent Spiritual Church. And I'm still not the only one. Um, and Colleen is doing fantastic work. And and um, and everyone else is pitching in, too. But it's been fun. Um, kind of touching base with candle reading again. And I've begun to post pictures of unusual candle burns with the people's names gone and any identifying part of their petition that disappeared. But um, if you follow me on Instagram or Facebook, you'll have a nice little tutorial on how to do candle divination. And it also is being posted to the Lucky Mojo Forum at forum.luckymojo.com. It's in the candle section. It's in this thread called divination so that's what i've been up to nothing real spectacular but lots of little tiny moving parts so how about you contraman what's up in your world oh things have been uh busy as usual uh i can't believe we're already halfway through january uh that went by really fast (laughs) yeah my mind is still i uh i was joking the other day to a friend of mine that it said uh, anyone who says last year, in my mind, they're still talking about 2020. <laughs> 2021 doesn't actually count. I get it. <laughs> I think I think we're so we're still recovering so much from 2020 and 2019 that for me, last year was 2020. 2021 doesn't count. We get a do-over. <laughs> uh, you know, you know what's it. you know what's funny about that? I was just before the show started. I was just doing some threads in the Lucky Mojo forum. And for those of you who don't know, I teach a course in Hoodoo, and we have a special part of the forum which is not public for my um, uh, students. And in the students' forum, there's a part for those who have graduated. And in that, there's a part about how to start and promote your flea market or psychic fair readings or booths. And nobody had posted there since December 21st of 2019. Oh, wow. And I've looked at that and I thought, is this an obsolete topic? And I went, no, it all hit. Nobody has actually started or or promoted that kind of uh, indoor work and or outdoor work with people coming face to face. And so that was, yeah, so you were right. It's a do-over. We're we're not through this yet. It is. It is definitely a do-over. But you should. That's definitely a time capsule. You should screenshot that and save it. 
uh, before anyone posts, just as like a, the, here it is in 2022, this, yeah. this frozen in time thread <laughs> yeah. speaks to what was going exactly. on for the past couple of years. Right. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I really can't believe that we're, we're already through 2022. Mm-hmm. Things are looking up. Things are quite busy uh, on my end. Um, I do have, or anyone who wants to find out what the year is going to look like. I only have one reading left for February. Like I said, they go by pretty quickly. Um, so the anyone who's interested in the year-ahead approach wants to find out what they Is your ex coming back this year? Are you going to land that job? I do have one reading left, and that's going to be it for the entire month, unfortunately. I have a couple of people who've uh, emailed me and inquired. That really is going to be it. So check it out. Um, I do want to give two quick news updates. Uh, first is one very much for you. There was another volcano that erupted. Did you see that? Oh, yes. And they had yes. a tsunami warning for the West I Coast. I did. Apparently, yeah. yeah, I saw some of the videos. One of uh, uh, someone shared a video from uh, the waters that they followed in Santa Cruz. Um, yeah, you could see like the sort of waves coming through the little uh, rivulet, or the little river, and, and you're like, oh wow, that really is. So minor flooding on the West Coast, but I mean that was a pretty violent eruption of the volcano. But the second I saw it. I was like, I gotta tell Cat because Cat loves. Uh, yeah, you know, volcanoes. you know what my friends, what my friends say, surfs up. <laughs> yeah, it was a, it was a very different experience on the West Coast or elsewhere. But it was pretty, it was quite a, I saw the satellite imagery. My God, was it a violent explosion? I mean, it wasn't a, mm-hmm. Krak- it wasn't Krakatoa, but it was intense. Um, yeah, it was in and then Tonga. The other- yeah, in Tonga. It was uh, another uh, uh, news, and this is uh, for, for anyone who does any sort of root work, um, really prayers out to everyone at Coleyville, the synagogue that was taken hostage um, mm. just mm-hmm. yesterday uh, by the British guy. And, you know, luckily everyone got out safe, but this is an extremely dangerous time, particularly for synagogues. I mean, the two worst mm-hmm. Synagogue, violence against synagogues and Jewish people, anti-Semitic attacks have been just in the past three years. Literally, mm-hmm. we're talking about like 50 years. The worst have been in the past three years. Just so, so it's a particularly dangerous time for, for people in the religious communities, particularly the rise in anti-Semitism. Um, and there's always mm-hmm. been a very deep connection between the Jewish community and uh, the black community. Uh, so there's a relationship mm-hmm. to hoodoo here. Um, not just in mm-hmm. sort of pharmacy shops, but literally in communities uh, side by side. And the worst about it, as I was reading, is the reason that the guy got inside, uh, because in, inside of the shoal, is because they thought he was homeless, and so they let mm. him in so that he could have some type of a shelter. So really, just literally oh, preying upon the the kindness uh, of people there. So light some candles, say some prayers, uh, you know, also some thanks that it ended. Uh, with mm-hmm. just the death of the, of the hostage taker and none of the hostages, but always these are these are moments in which uh, community and collective prayer matter. Mm-hmm. Um, and as a reminder for those of us who are spiritual, that prayers are real. So send your prayers up, yeah. light your candles, and pray for the kind-hearted in the world who still let in homeless people, and and, and despite the fact that people are trying to take advantage of that. Yeah, wow. That's that is the truth. You know, kindness uh, yeah, should yeah. not stop because of this, but it's it definitely is a something to think about. Something yeah, to think about. Yeah. Well, um we have this has been um quite a, a time. Uh, you know, we're all kind of living through this, you know, gently as possible. Mm-hmm. Um I'd like to uh, bring in our absolute 
wonderful paganistic Paganistan dwelling, <laughs> <laughs> Doc Murphy. Um, for those of you who don't know Doc Murphy, she's been um, a chat room kibitzer. She's been a guest. She's been a reader. She's been an announcer. She's she's one of those people who just can play any position in the outfield. And we hope to bring her into the infield. Um, she has graduated from my course. Hooray! Congratulations! And, <laughs> and congrats, so, congrats. Yeah, so that opens a path toward, um, you know, if she wants to follow it, if you want to follow it, Doc Murphy, that that opens up a path towards uh, hoodoo psychics and air, and we hope you take that path. I've already yeah. contacted Deacon Millet, actually. About it. Mm. <laughs> Yay. Okay. I am I'll I am hear... following the yellow brick road. I totally <laughs> That's so Well, thank you. Thank you so much. I, I The course was wonderful and uh, so knowledgeable. It, it's good anthropology, you know, is, is, is what it is, but also good practical how-to. Um, for anyone who might be listening to the show that is thinking, well, maybe I should take that course from Miss Cat. Do it. You will learn so much. And you, you got to remember, I'm somebody with a PhD in anthropology, and I was still going through Miss Cat's course and going, oh my word, I this is this is brand new information for me. This is fantastic. It was just so much great cultural oh, information, but also really, really wonderful. I enjoyed it. Um, and I'm really, really excited about the next step on my path. Anything to get me out of this COVID testing job, please. Oh, my God. <laughs> yes. Now, so for, you mentioned Deacon Millet, and for those um, listening who have graduated from my course and, and are professional readers, root workers, or whatever they may be, um, Deacon Millet is the, um, on the board of directors of AIR, he's the president of the board of the AISC, which runs air, and he also is the owner of Hoodoo Psychics, which is a psychic reading line. And so he has decided that this month of January, if you sign up for air and pay your fee for air, he will comp you and give you a free Hoodoo Psychics membership for one year. So it's significant savings for mm-hmm. people who want to embark on such a career. And I know we have a couple of people here listening. A couple of people, come on. You got till the end of January to do this, and he's serious. We want to get people who want to have careers. We're not trying to push anyone down a track they don't like, but if you want a career as a reader, root worker, shopkeeper, uh, however you know, consultancy, whatever it is, we're here to help. And that kind of leads us to our topic. And the topic is, when will I be wise? Now. I'm going to speak about this. As soon as I thought of this, I thought of the old Everly Brothers song, When Will I Be Loved? (laughs) I did too. (laughs) (laughs) Right? And being me and the the musical weirdo that I am, I immediately came up with the lyrics, I've been educated, been initiated, when will I be wise? (laughs) And... That is a question that many people have on their minds. You know, when is it right for you to assume that position of the high priestess, the hierophant, the wise one who gives the information to those in need? When do you say, 
I am ready? It's a good question. Um, there's some issues that go along with this, and I'm going to just bring up mm-hmm. one, and then I'm going to let Doc Murphy and Contraband speak. As we gain wisdom, we're often forced to confront the questions that we have about our own development. And this can include our own writings or posts that we made that now seem childish. Or we may have had a gender identification that has changed. Or we may hold a shifting political position. Um, There are many, you know, a marriage may have ended, a marriage may have started. As we become wiser, we have to consider how we deal with the artifacts of our developmental process. And how are we going to let the public who accepts us as a wise person see our back pages? And this comes down to two choices. Um, Either ditch and run or mutate in place. And there are many people who ditch and run. They um, burn their way through uh, many identities, usernames, dozens of accounts on social media. They can go through entire sets of friends, lovers, colleagues. They can emerge over and over. You barely recognize them. You wonder who they are. And they do this not to defraud people, but just because they can't confront what they've changed, how they've changed and and what they've learned. And then there are those who mutate in place. And I'm always reminded, being so musical, of the old uh, Girl Scout song, Make new friends, but keep the old. One is silver, the other is gold. And I as a person who mutates in place, being a fixed sign, have had a lot of sorrow in my life as I've seen promising friends, colleagues, students, helpers, um, helpies, (laughs) go through this um, ditch-and-run process, and I never see them again. Maybe I recognize their... And I go, is that really so-and-so? Oh, it is, you know... He's gained 10 pounds. Oh, no, he's lost 10 pounds. Oh, he's changed gender, whatever. But they've changed and changed and changed, and they become someone new over and over. Sometimes they do it to defraud, and I'm sorely disappointed. Oh, my God, that person is now somebody else, and they're claiming an initiation that I know they didn't receive, at least not during the time I knew them. So there's a lot to be said in the world of wisdom for mutating in place. It doesn't mean you have to show your ass and, you know, confess and apologize endlessly for your stupidity. But, you know, just mention that it's you. It's still you. I have always one thing I have to apologize for. I once wrote, I have never been a feminist. And then I was looking back through some old newspaper articles I wrote in which I said, I'm a feminist. And I just shake my head, put my hands over my eyes and just shake my head. Well, I said I was a feminist when I was 18, and by the time I was 27, I said, I've never been a feminist. Okay, well, whatever, something happened. Um, If that's the worst um, change I've ever made, you know, God bless me. Then I've probably made worse, and I don't know it. 
So that's something to think about. When will you be wise? When you're able to accept who you were before you were wise. When you were able to accept who you became and the process of your becoming. And now I'll shut up and turn this over to Doc Murphy. <laughs> well, I also had the Everly Brothers song in my head when, when we uh, picked the subject. Um, and I always kind of, uh, when the question comes up of when will I be wise, when will I be ready, the first thing I tend to want to ask people is, well, first off, why are you asking that question? What is it about wisdom that you feel like you need to attain at this point? Um, what is it that you're trying to gain or achieve or understand about yourself? You know, what's, what's happening to you that you're wishing for this or, th- or feeling like it's appropriate for you to have right now? Do you, do you, are you shifting to another point in your life where you're maybe becoming a teacher and you want to feel like you're a little bit more adequate? Do you, are, you, um, are you at a rite of passage in your life? Maybe you're becoming a parent or a grandparent and you're going, well, I, when's this going to happen? Am I, am I wise enough to do this? Are you looking for power? Are you looking for status? That won't, the, the wise people that I know in my community here in Paganistan tend to wrinkle their nose at that sort of thing. Um, what I always remember, too, one of my dear friends and an elder here in the community, one of the founders of many organizations here in Paganistan, and uh, someone who I consider chosen family, Volkvi, he always says, if you're the only person in the store that knows how to change the tape and the cash register at that moment, you're the expert, which <laughs> I always take to mean as expertise and wisdom is also situational. You know, it depends on who is in the room at the time and why, what the question is that's being asked. Um, I'll, I'll share this little story that kind of came up with uh, the, the sound gathering that I was at. Um, and I get this a lot, I guess, because I don't know, I'm a brainy person and people like to ask me advice. But um, one of my fire circle sisters was asking about, you know, you know I, I kind of, uh, she was going to have a hysterectomy soon. She'd already been a mother, but she was going to have a hysterectomy. And she was asking me questions about what sort of, you know, rite of passage or ritual or honoring of this process that she thinks she needs to do. And I'm, you know, I'm not a mother. Um, I've never had hysterectomy. This is, a, it, <laughs> this is nothing that I mm-hmm. have any, any experience with at all. And I said, well, don't you think maybe you should talk to somebody who's had kids you know, if, or, or has been through this? I mean, I, I don't really know what to say here. And she said, well, I really want to talk to you because you're just, you're just so wise, Murphy. And I'm like, not on this. And thankfully, my friend Stacy swooped in and rescued me who has had kids and has had a hysterectomy and was able to mm-hmm. kind of sit and kind of give her that, that that, you know, um, meaningful advice that she needed. But at that moment, I could not change the tape on the, ta- on the cash register. Um, somebody mm-hmm. else was the wisdom keeper in that, in that situation. Um, and also the, the question, when that co- question comes up too, is, well, when you say wisdom, what is it that you mean? Is it intelligence? Is it, um, you know, because uh, I work in academia, and I think maybe Conjurman mm-hmm. can probably attest to this too, we have some very, very, very smart people in higher education that have MAs and PhDs. That doesn't mean they're wise, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're smart, but they're not always very wise. Um, and it doesn't always come with age. There are some, some uh, uh, colleagues of mine who are remarkably wise and learned and, and uh, compassionate that are only in their 30s, and likewise, there are people that are elders that haven't really learned a thing and you wouldn't want to take advice from. So I always kind of uh, want to turn the question around to somebody when they're looking for wisdom. 
or the gaining of wisdom and say, well, what is it that you are actually trying to achieve? It's not just a matter of being smart enough. It's also a matter of the heart. It's a matter of understanding um, what people are going through and how you can advise them because you in some way have had some experience too. Yeah, because Joshua just said something very cool in the chat. He said there's a difference between being clever and thoughtful. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to put up something about the hysterectomy question. Um, Sometimes it's wise enough just to be a research librarian. And a research librarian, I say this because my mother was a professional research librarian in a big library at UCLA and also at UC Berkeley, Um, The research librarian doesn't have the answer necessarily, but they know where the card catalog is and they know what book to go to. And in your case, you were wise as a research librarian. You said, go find someone who's had a hysterectomy, who's had children. (laughs) That's, you know, that's the research librarian's cosmic job is directing people to a good source. I've had people come to me as clients and they say, I'm feeling that I should be initiated in name of religion and it can be anything to becoming a lay brother in catholicism to joining paulo mayombe it just or anything in between or around that and my answer to them is go find a member of x religion and if i know someone who i think is a good person i'll say mm-hmm. try so and so so being wise doesn't always mean having the answer on the spot it just means knowing yeah. where to direct the person with the question now let's bring in Contraman. What do you have to say? Yeah, I think there is there needs to be a really strong distinction between knowledge and, and wisdom and certainly power and wisdom here. Uh, initiation, <clears throat> be it the uh, initiation that one gets from graduating with a degree uh, or initiation mm-hmm. that one gets from, because uh, that is a form of initiation, initiation into the mm-hmm. guild of academics, right? Um, mm-hmm. Or initiation to a spiritual priestly class, right? Whether you're a Tata or a Olorisha or, or whatnot. Um, initiations, those are all power of paths to knowledge or paths to power. They're not necessarily paths to wisdom. By which I mean Mm -hmm. you can choose to walk down a particular path in the same way that you can choose that you're going to become a particular major. I want to know everything there is to know about, you know, molecular biology. And so I'm going to walk down the path of molecular biology. And I will learn from it and I will be initiated. That's the path of knowledge. Wisdom is something else. Wisdom is not a state of being. We often talk about wisdom as something that you achieve, you get, or that you're at a place that, like, you've arrived at wisdom. That's not how it works, in my opinion. Wisdom is an approach to life. And this is key. It's a process. It's an ongoing process that is rooted in a love of knowledge shaped by experience and then the compassion to apply a marriage of the two. And these are the three components to it. Wisdom, in its very classical sense, is a love of knowledge, a true pursuit of learning, by which I mean you don't go out, you know, someone who says, oh, I'm not going to get my bachelor's degree, can never be wise. No, no, I mean a love of learning. Learning exists outside of formal settings. Learning is what you do every single day. It is the curiosity that you have. It's the thing that gets you up in the morning and goes, I'm going to grow today. 
I'm going to gain something today. It's what you do when you meet new people. And there are people who have a true, genuine love of learning. That is a very key component of wisdom. The wise never stop learning. They will always learn. Mm-hmm. Whether they learn a new craft, whether they learn to knit. It's one of those things. You, you can know a wise person because they're always learning something new. And you can always tell who has or truly been wise in life because if you ask them something, they'll bring up, oh, I remember this friend of mine who taught me this little fact. I remember this colleague of mine who showed me this really interesting thing. Oh, I saw this thing on Wikipedia, right? There's this constant growth. So there's the love of knowledge, but it is always shaped by experience. That is, there is a practical component to this learning, which is very important for wisdom. Um, Your life experiences are, are crucial. What you know, what you don't know is shaped by the encounters that you have, by the things that come up in your life. The Greeks very firmly believe that wisdom can only come through suffering. Only because you've gone through the difficult things in life can you truly become wise. Now, I'm not saying that the Greeks were right. They had a bit of a pessimistic view when it came to wisdom, but it, is, it speaks to the idea that um, there is an experiential component here. All the reading of the theory in the world is not going to matter until you're out on the streets, right? That's that's the Mm -hmm. component of experience. And then the the final component of this is the compassion to apply the marriage of the two, by which I mean wisdom always is gentle. There's always a gentle component to wisdom. Wisdom is not, I know better and therefore I must correct you at all times. It is not critique. It's not criticism. It's not superiority. It's the gentle application of the experience and the knowledge, the compassionate application of it. Wisdom enlightens. Wisdom lifts you up. If you're in the presence of a wise person, you're better for it. Wisdom never makes you feel like shit, right? It's the difference between a really, really good teacher, that teacher that makes you hungry for that knowledge, and the teacher who obviously knows more than you but makes you feel crap for being in their classroom. What? You don't know this? That's what wisdom has a compassionate component, a gentle component. It has a light touch, by which I mean it lifts everyone else around it. It's super, super important to have all three of these components, in my personal view, of what wisdom is. And then we can add the sort of final bit that there's a wisdom always knows its own limitation. The wise know what they know and what they don't know, and they're willing to accept that. The wise very rarely say, I am the wise blank. I am full of wisdom. No one ever, if they claim to be wise, run. <laughs> wisdom is, 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 is something that is attributed to you. It's an ongoing process. It's an approach to life. And you can meet people who are very young and deeply, deeply wise. And you can meet people who are very old who have no wisdom whatsoever. So this is very much an approach, I think. It's an approach to life. And when it has these components, then I think um, you can say that, okay, this person has wisdom. You should never ask your your question, when am I going to be wise? Am I wise now? Instead, what you can do is orient yourself around these things. Are you always trying to learn? One of the things that always fascinates me, I experience this quite a bit, Kat, when I try to recommend your course, right? You encounter two different people when I encounter a cat's course. Like, I'm really interested in uh, learning hoodoo. You have the person who is genuinely eager to learn. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. a, a correspondence course, I'm down. That's, my, that's mm-hmm. right up my alley. And that's a person on the path to wisdom. 
right? It's not just that they, mm-hmm. they're, they, they're, they're willing to take the course. It's the genuine desire to learn. That's the important part. Mm-hmm. And then you have the other person who's like, I already know this stuff. Why should I take it? Ah, this person can't be wise. They have knowledge, maybe. Maybe they do know this stuff. Maybe they are experts. Maybe they, they know all this stuff. But the unwillingness to learn is that giveaway, right? And so it's, are you right. cultivating a true and genuine, you know, desire to learn? I'm an expert in a lot of things. And guess what? I still consider myself a student. If I see, for right. example, a workshop about mm-hmm. an area that I am an expert in, that I've got a PhD in or that I have, you know, years and years of experience in, guess what I'm going to do? I'm signing up for that workshop. <laughs> Because I mm-hmm. still want to learn. That person has a perspective that maybe I haven't heard before. I'm a big believer right. in going and learning from your peers, not just from your superiors, but from your peers, because they have their own path, their own experience. So you bet your ass if someone's like, hey, I've, I've, come out, I'm, I've been practicing astrology for decades, right? I've come up with this astrology course. I'll probably be the first to sign up. Why? Because I be- very much believe in learning, constantly learning. So that, do you cultivate a sense of learning? Do you cultivate mm-hmm. a sense of willingness to be shaped by experience? Like, or are you afraid to go out in the world? Right? I mm-hmm. refuse to do anything but hide in my book. Okay, then maybe wisdom isn't something you can achieve. <laughs> and do you cultivate compassion? Why are you learning? Are you learning to help people? Are you learning to better yourself? Or are you learning to lord it over everyone else? That's what I ask people. They say, oh, am I wise? Can I be wise? I ask them, what are you cultivating, my friend? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, uh, there's also, now I want to flip the script. Um, What about people who suffer from chronic self-doubt? Oh, yeah, yeah. They they read Tarot and they they get Mm -hmm. answers and it seems to work. And they do it even for other people. But they're like, can I really charge money for this? Am I I wise Mm -hmm. enough? What if I am compelled to perform at my client's request? Am I wise Mm. enough to set up a bank account? Am I wise enough to have PayPal? Or should I just be in a little corner stumbling about being a hobbyist, whatever? Some of those people believe that having an initiation or some kind of certification will make them wise, but they're still crippling themselves by self-doubt. And For people like that, and I do know quite a few of them, I ask them, and and because I do have a lot of students who say, am I ready? Am I ready to become a root worker? Am I ready to be a reader? And my questions for them are not really on the topic of knowledge 100%, but on what do you do now for a living? Are you addicted to alcohol or drugs? Because that can really cause someone to be not wise. They can be smart, but not wise. And and I ask them, is serving the public what you want? Because a wise person is known by the fact that people seek them out. And yeah. are yeah. you hate, hateful against people? Do you have contempt for them? Oh, I have yeah. seen very, very many people who want to call me up and just gossip about or just rag on, slag on, and drag their own clients, whether I know them or not. You know, but do you know what this fool yeah. told me? You know, that's not wise. So mm-hmm. um, between self-doubt and narcissism, there's a, there's a whole continuum there, kind of like a, yeah. a little clock dial. <laughs> right? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, mm-hmm. If you suffer from self-doubt, 
check in with those who are wise and ask them, do you think I have the God-given gifts or the talent or the training to do what it is, whether or not it's being a reader root worker, that's my field, it could be being a petroleum geologist, and ask someone, and then if you feel completely uber-confident and that you can do anything, check in with someone who does it for a living and has done it you know, for as long as you've been alive, and there are going to be people that way, and ask them, yeah. do you think I have the wisdom? So that's the that's the little advice I have there. Yeah, I think self-doubt is, is something that people do struggle with, and um, we're going to see more and more of it. I think part of the, the experience that we have in the 21st century, the, the sort of increasing atomization of our experience, where we are very much isolated in a way that we weren't in the past, right? Uh, mm-hmm. The more we're separated from community, the more I think we're going to be hit with self-doubt because you're often these small little islands. Um, and so you're going to see more and more of it. It's something that quite fascinatingly is like a, iconically of the millennial generation. The millennials have more self-doubt mm-hmm. than any generation before them. And the generation after us, has even more self-doubt, Gen Z, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so you definitely, you're, you're going to see more and more of it. So wh- how do you address self-doubt? And I think it can be addressed two ways. One, with self-knowledge, and two, with experience. So self-knowledge means know what your limitations are. It's okay to be like, all right, maybe I don't have as much experience reading the tarot. That's okay to admit. That's the first step to addressing self-doubt is that honest assessment. And if you can't get an honest assessment from yourself, then get an honest assessment from an objective third party. Um, Readers, it's perfectly fine to go to another reader and ask them the question, should I put up a shingle and become a shop owner? Should I open up Mm -hmm. my doors for readings? Do I have the gift of it? Um, There's even whole specialized readings that you can do that, you know, detail what are my gifts. We do them on the radio show. People call in, can you Mm -hmm. talk to me about my gifts? And we pull cards and go, ah, you have a talent for healing. You have a talent for candle magic. Um, The tarot can tell you this. Any form of divination can tell you this. Bone reading really does it. Astrology really clearly does this, right? If a you go and get your natal chart read and ask them, hey, can you talk about what my gifts are? And the natal reading can tell you. This person was born to be a healer. This person was born to be a teacher and so on and so forth. So you can do this with tarot or whatnot. You can get this side of... uh, address this that you can get self-knowledge or knowledge from others about yourself but then there is a component of experience at some point or another you need to take the dive and that's what all experience is about it's the ability to walk out of the house right it's that first mm-hmm. step that first step and if you if you have self-doubt it will only be addressed by taking your first reading client if you doubt mm-hmm. that you can be a good root worker, it will only be addressed when you take your first root work client. You can't be mm-hmm. like, oh, my God, I doubt I can actually help this person and then never actually help anyone and hope that that doubt goes away. The doubt will only <laughs> go away when you actually help that person, right? Once you take that first leap of faith. Because once you start to have experience, oh, I've done this a thousand times. I've lit a candle for reconciliation a thousand times, I now know what I'm doing. You'll see the mm-hmm. self-doubt fade away. And then there's also mm-hmm. products that you can use to address things like self-doubt. If you have the wisdom, then you know that there's a way in which you can call upon spirit 
to shore up the self-doubt. Working with your ancestors is a very strong way of addressing self-doubt. Developing a spiritual practice that has some form of discipline or routine component can address self-doubt. I think in terms of product, John the Conquer Root, Crucible of Courage, Cast Off Evil, Crown of Success, Master Key. These are all ways that you can, I'm trying to bring the abstract into the, into the practical here a little bit, but these are all ways that you can address things like self-doubt. If you're doubtful of yourself, then a series of baths with Crucible of Courage, a series of Master Key candles are all things you can use to help address it. Those are, and self- that's a very wise thing to say. You can yeah. self-prescribe. If you are wise, we're, we're using working in the conjure community as a um, example. Like I said, it could be anything else. It could be, you know, traffic logistics. I don't know what, anything. But um, community, using the products that are designed for your situation or prescribing for yourself may be a good first step. And I recommend to anyone um, the list that Conjurman gave, John the Conqueror, Crown of Success, Crucible of Courage, Master Key. Those are great. And I would also say go to Hoodoo at a Glance. It's a web page that I wrote and Papa Newt helped and a bunch of people have helped on it over the years. It is luckymojo.com forward slash hoodoo at a glance dot html. All one word, hoodoo at a glance, run together, lowercase. And there you will find the various conditions of life and the herbs and products that are good for them. And you can start by prescribing for yourself. And I kind of wanted to pipe in on the whole self-doubt struggle as well. And I'll share this with you guys. Way, way back, way back when you asked me to be a guest on the air and to do readings for the first time, if you all had any idea how much my hands shook while I was doing that uh, on the air for the first time, I, I you know, that, that self-doubt was, was there. And now it's, it's, uh, it, I've done it so much, and I've done it for friends now so much that it feels as natural as anything. It also helps. I see Miss Miranda Taro is in the chat. Um, what a wonderful colleague and mentor to also have um, along the journey. But what I also tell people is if you are self-doubting and if you are, are concerned about, you know, whether or not, you know, you're wise enough to do something, boy, it's community that really can support you too. I mean, the, the Conjure community, as I've been going along on this journey of taking Miss Cat's course and, and mm-hmm. um, you know, stepping forward here have been incredibly supportive and successful. But so has Paganistan. When I mentioned to, to the gentleman that I, I mentioned earlier, Volkvi and his wife Maggie, again, they were founders of the Wiccan Church of Minnesota and several other organizations here, remarkable elders in the community, um, who are respected and who don't hang out a shingle and brag. They're just quiet people. Um, when I mentioned to them that I, I think it's time to take Miss Cat's course, but money was still tight, you know, at that time. And it was, we were all on lockdown. And I said, I really want to do this, but, I, you know, classes are tight and I don't really know how to do this. And the two of them gave me the money to take your course because they said, you deserve to be doing something you love to do, but also it's about damn time, don't you think? And that's when I found <laughs> out talking to folks in the pagan community here, how many of them said, well, it's about damn time. And if anybody's going to have this, this role of someone to be root doctor or advisor or reader, it really should be you. And the fact that hearing from so many of them 
what I didn't know about myself. And that's what a community can do with regard to the search for wisdom is while you're doubting yourself and you're wondering if you're good enough or you're wondering if you're bright enough, if you're surrounded by people who say, let me tell you something, of course you Mm -hmm. can and of course you do. Um, that in a lot of ways changed the game for me. So what I also tell people is, you know, if, if you're looking for wisdom, not only find the family members and the chosen family and the community, maybe even the ancestors um, that mm-hmm. are wisdom keepers for you, go talk to them. Um, and you may be surprised at, at what they think you're capable of that you haven't determined about yourself. So I just kind of wanted to put a little flag That's up. Really not true. Only- I'm going to, Say something as yeah. somebody who is considered an elder and has been considered um, a potential psychic reader from the age of eight when I was first told, you're going to be a psychic reader, which was you know completely out of left field for me, and it turned out to be true. Um, I wished that the person who told me I would be an Egyptologist had told the truth, but no, it was the <laughs> psychic reader who told the truth. <laughs> anyway, um, but... You know, we all have times of self-doubt, too. I can, um, you know, get on social media and all of a sudden someone's mentioning my name in an unkind and not nice way. Someone makes a blog in which they make fun of me and my name, my past, my style of writing, you know, a project with which I was associated that I literally had nothing to do with and they're dragging that particular project and blaming me you know do i write them back oh my god i feel sick to my stomach so soft out comes at any time in your life at any time in your career and um one of the wiser things i've learned is that self-doubt is a bit like grief it washes over you it freezes you you're all fucked up for a minute you try to breathe you try to get through it it comes back it washes over you it's just very much like grief and then after you sleep, it'll come back again, but it won't be quite as strong, and you'll keep on having flashbacks of it. But they'll, you know, slowly that feeling of sadness, fear, loss, panic, that when you got a bad review, it'll it'll tone down. You don't have to bolster yourself up and make yourself a narcissist. Don't you dare oppose me. I know. You know don't do that. Just let it wash over you. Someone didn't like you. Oh, well. And um, Shiva in the chat says, coffee helps. <laughs> he is so right. I'm just, that self-medication with coffee or tea helps because... Um, there have been studies, medical studies have proven that women who drink two cups of coffee a day are 50% as likely to commit suicide as those who don't. All right? <laughs> Just random notes from the other world. Um, because it is important to keep your confidence. And another way to keep your confidence is to um, reach out to your community. And have a friend or two and say, listen, I just, this guy just wrote this horrible shit. And he wrote it back in 2018. I can't even go back now and fix it. And, you know, he did this horrible shit. And uh, what am I going to do? And everybody hates me. And, uh, you know, and um, I don't have a friend in the world. And just tell your friend, ah, you know, they'll go, ah, but I like you. So that's what community is good for. Not to give you a false sense of competence or pride, but to bolster you up because. 
the minute you get set on a pedestal, and wise people are set on pedestals, there'll be someone who wants to tear you down and smash you down. So be prepared for it. It doesn't happen all the time, and you don't have to constantly be putting up protection spells because they're coming at me. But there is something called the evil eye. And I think that mm-hmm. any wise person would take jealousy and um, that tear-down impulse into account and put a few little evil eye things around yourself. Keep your balance. That and coffee. Um, if we could have like a little vial of instant-to-drink coffee in a little evil eye-shaped uh, vial, we just pop it open, drink it, we'd be all fine. <laughs> Chocolate helps too. So, when will you be wise? When you're when you're ready to take on some of the duties of being wise. Being wise is a duty to the community. Mm-hmm. It's not just for you. Mm, yeah, that's a really important point there. Wisdom, wisdom is there's always a service element to wisdom. Uh, mm-hmm. You serve the community. You you uplift others. You help others. Um, there, I, 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 there is a really famous saying from the Arabic world: "What use is wisdom if you can't help others?" Right? Right. Um, right. And and that's true. And that's true. Right? You could, you know, if you claim to be wise, but then you never uh, uh, do anything about it to help anyone else. Is that wisdom, or is that just intellectual mm-hmm. hoarding? Right? Is that wisdom? Mm-hmm. Is that intellectual mm-hmm. greed? Because you can sometimes see that with people who claim to be wise or people who, who have accumulated knowledge. For them, it is about accumulation and hoarding it to themselves. Right? And you can see there's almost a, a, a resentment. Like, I don't want to give out my hard-earned knowledge to others. I don't want to mm-hmm. give it. I don't want to teach anyone. Do I really want to help mm-hmm. these people? No, I don't want to help these people. So this is why I say there is a that, well, that third component for me was the compassion to apply the knowledge and the experience, right? You have to have that compassion and component. And that's gently helping others, raising other people up and willing to apply. And we're in a you know unique state where you can find community in different ways. Maybe it's not in your immediate vicinity, but you can find community online. Are you willing to teach others? Are you willing to help others? Are you willing to guide others? Are you willing to apply others and share, right? Are you willing to build community with people? Those are all really essential components of um, of wisdom, of, of, of trying to help one another out um, through the things that you've gained. Because let me tell you, there is nothing more profound than when you were in, a, in the company of the wise and they start to share their experiences. And not just one wise person, but a bunch of wise people, right? They start to share those experiences and all of a sudden you're like, you feel it, you're, you're getting your soul gets full. It's the only mm-hmm. way I can describe it. Your soul gets full from the conversation. There's a sort of like, oh, my God. That was something I learned so much just from that conversation. And it's, you know, they're talking about, you know, the first time they fell in love or something. Right. Or are they mm-hmm. talking about, you know, the, the first time they had heartache. That, that, mm-hmm. that sharing, that willingness to share is so crucial. So crucial, the willingness to uplift and share. Mm-hmm. I agree. Mm-hmm. Now, we're still dodging around the question of age. So I'd like Uh to get into that a little bit, too. In many cultures, and the anthropologists among us and historians will know what I'm talking about, in many cultures there is a, you would call it a trope, um, a myth, a legend, a style of thinking about the wise child, the child who confounds the elders. 
the child who is born able to speak, the child who can become a judge and decide things as a, you know while still a babe in arms or very young school age. And this um, attribute has been uh, assigned to quite a few uh, deities over our long history as humans, from you know Minerva, Athena to Jesus and the uh, wise child of the Quechua and Aymara natives of Peru and Chile. <laughs> many, many cultures have a wise child. And if you are born as a wise child, you probably knew it, you know, early on. You probably have some residual fear of, you know, being singled out and bullied or something of that nature. But if you were born as a wise child and found that, you know, by the age of 12, people were coming to you and asking whether they should have hysterectomies or whatever, <laughs> um, you kind of know where you're going with this. Now, that doesn't mean that, again, doesn't mean necessarily reading and root work, doesn't mean being a spiritual supply company. You might end up being a, an academic. You might end up being the best mechanic in some town in Tennessee. You know, you're the guy who knows things that people go to for help. And having wisdom in one area doesn't necessarily mean you're wise in another. But always remember, you can always be a good reference librarian if you're not. Um, practiced or educated in a particular subject. Being wise mm -hmm. also means knowing where to send people for help. Many of the people who I deal with who are students in my course come to me saying that they knew from an early age there was people in their family who did readings or root work. They were the person who others came to during their school years. I find them very easy to teach and they are easy to understand as wise people. I'm just a little farther down the path, reach my hand, say, come on up here, they go where they need to be, whether it's with me or with some other teacher or wherever they're going to go. I am also wary, and again, I'm just saying this with my own voice of experience, of those who woke up one day and God said to them, you, my daughter, are the chosen representative of the goddess XYZ on earth. And they set mm -hmm. up their shingle and say they're wise. Wisdom has a narrative in someone's life. You don't just wake up from nothing to wise. You get there, and many people find themselves on that path young, but not all. Some go, I never thought of myself as wise, and now people seek me out and ask my help. You've become wise. And the rate at which you mature in wisdom and the rate at which being wise becomes part of your life cycle, um, your contribution to the community is different for every person. There's no one way it should be. But if you have friends, colleagues, or acquaintances who suddenly appear out of nowhere to be the all-wise Oz, watch out. It's a, it's a warning mm -hmm. to me. They're having a a um, either a delusion or narcissistically they've decided to cut and run from an old uh, persona and create a new persona that's wise. Just a piece of advice. Mm-hmm, for sure. Um, 
speaking to the initiation part of, you know, is that a method by which to, to get wisdom? You know, I've collected so many stories in Paganistan during the course of my research of, you know, initiations and people believing they're initiated for this and that or needing initiations for this and that. And they're just hilarious stories, some of them, because they don't know what the initiation means. They don't know, you know, uh, walking into it, you know, they just know that they need to have it because, well, that's the next step that you're supposed to have is to be, you know, you can be a second degree and then you can hive off and start teaching on your own. And isn't that what we're supposed to do? Yeah, but what does it mean? What does it mean to you? Um, was speaking with my research partner who at, you know, in her late 30s is wise beyond her years. I, I, I appreciate her counsel a great deal. And in a lot of ways, she's also experienced a lot more than I have. She is a mother of a 15-year-old son. And, and uh, I remember speaking with her about sort of the stuckedness that, that I had experienced. Sort of, we, we, we kind of in our community call it spiritual constipation where sometimes you just are stuck. <laughs> And uh, she happened to ask me, she said, well, what about, she says, you haven't really, because I'm not an initiate in any particular tradition. I kind of like being a, um, a solitary uh, agent. And she said, well, okay, you don't, you don't want an initiation in any tradition and you don't feel the need to, and that's fine. And she said, but have you had, she says, you haven't had kids, you haven't been legally married, you haven't had, you know, a lot of the stuff. And she says, and you're menopausal now. And she says, has there been anything between, um, you know, the time that you started on this path to where you are now, you know, you haven't had any of these major rites of passage just in life. You also, she said, has there been anything between, you know, becoming a woman and menopause that has changed your status? Really? And I thought about it and I went, you know, no. And she's like, you know what an initiation is for a lot of people is just a metaphysical line in the sand. It's a place that, it's something that you cross over where you can look back at who you were and say, I can no longer be that person. You know, I'm, I am an adult now, I can no longer be a child. And you're treated differently. Um, I am an elder, I am no longer the young. My responsibilities are different. And you can look back at who you were, but you can't be who they were. And what she actually advised was, you know, don't run out and just do any of this stuff just because you need a rite of passage, but think in terms of, you know, is part of being spiritually stuck, is part of being kind of wisdom stuck, meaning that you haven't drawn a metaphysical line in the sand yet that is of meaning. And that's oftentimes when people ask about initiations and whether they should or whether they shouldn't, um, it's a lot of the same questions. What are you trying to achieve? What is it going to mean to you? A lot of times an initiation is making a promise to either a to uphold a particular tradition, let's say Gardnerian Wicca or, you know, uh, whatever tradition is in the, that you want to be a part of, that you want to culturally pass on. Or you're making mm -hmm. a commitment perhaps to a deity or a spirit or somebody, and you, you kind of want to make that public declaration to your spiritual mm -hmm. group that this is somebody that you're doing. And if none of that is interesting you, um, First off, ask if you need it, but if you feel like you do need another step toward wisdom, cultivating it, what does a metaphysical line in the, in the sand actually mean? And that's been giving me a lot to think about, a lot to think about. And this is wisdom given to me by someone 38 years old. So um, like I said, it's not tied to age. It is tied to experience often, but also sometimes it's in how they frame how to look at your experience differently. That's, that's really good advice what is your metaphysical line in the sand all right well i hope this interested folks i hope that a few who listen to it will go on to join hoodoo psychics and air and realize that although i don't initiate anybody taking a one-year course from me does lead you from one point a to point b 
It's mm-hmm. something. Mm-hmm. I even give you a certificate. And I'm not just trying to brag or boast about myself. I've graduated people who I knew were not wise. But think about it. If you, listening to this show, want to go on to some place in your life, it may be that some marker should be passed, some statement should be made. All right. Well, we're going to turn this over to our dear announcer, Clifford, and we're going to bring in a client and read for the client. How about it, Clifford? Support? Certainly. Uh, support for this program is provided by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and located online at luckymojo.com, and by the Association of Independent Readers and Root Workers, AIR, a directory of ethical and authentic contra practitioners, located online at readersandrootworkers.org, and by Hoodoo Psychic, the psychic line run entirely. Receive a reading with a trusted root worker instantly. Call 1-888-4-HOODOO or visit hoodoopsychics.com. And by the Crystal Silence League, a free online prayer service of the Association of Independent Spiritual Churches, located online at crystalsilenceleague.org. Now it's time to go to the phones and talk to today's client. Our caller is Ruby, calling from area code 419, and she writes, I quit my previous recent job on December 9th due to so much stress, anxiety, and other unpleasant feelings. I've returned to a previous occupation since December 13th, and I realized recently that I've grown a lot and feel stagnant of this job. I want to find another one that I feel happy, joy, a sense of peace and contentment on my soul, and of course, better pay and benefits. I've never really found or landed a career or job that fits my personality that would fulfill my soul's longing, contentment, joy, peace, and calm, uh, and better financial benefits. It's always been a struggle for me, regardless of my effort. I need some clarification on a better direction in my life. Turning over to you, Ms. Kathy. Wow. And I got the message here in the chat that um, she is not on the phone, and this was um, shortened from a much longer post. And the um, most interesting thing here is she says, I'm an Aquarius Ascendant, Sun, and Mars. So that's interesting for what's happening now. And I I always say to people, if you look at... Um, a program like Celeste that you can go to and uh, on your uh, phone, it's an app. I recommend very highly that when answering questions, we look at that kind of a thing. And I um, wish dearly mm. that I had it with me, but my husband has my cell phone. So I will turn this over to Contraman. <laughs> Too late, Nagashiva. I hope you'd got the hint. Let's turn this over to Kondraman, and he's going to do the first reading. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to do the, this first reading uh, for Ruby. Unfortunately, she's not on the line. Otherwise, I'd ask her uh, a few questions because I think, uh, you know, they'd be quite worthwhile. Um, yeah, so th- th- this is uh, the timing of this is pretty telling, I think, for, for me uh, as, a, as a reader. Um, I should say that... Um, uh, noting that you're an Aquarius rising helps just a little bit. Uh, while we don't know the placements of your 
uh, planets at the time of your birth. So we don't particularly know that, and that, that's okay. Um, we can still know uh, a little bit just for knowing the ascended, particularly for those of us that use the whole sign houses. We can kind of uh, go from there. Um, but also through the transits that, that you're experiencing right now, so like almost exactly to the day, um, this person had uh, a sort of change. The, I mean, the, the thing that they're describing here is almost identical. So they mentioned that, for example, on December 9th, uh, they quit their previous job. And then on December 13th, uh, they went and worked with, went to their past employer. And that's the exact moment in which uh, Mars left Scorpio and entered Sagittarius. And Scorpio mm-hmm. would govern this person's 10th house if they're an Aquarius rising. And the 10th house is the sign of jobs. <laughs> it's the sign of uh, career. And so here we and, see and, clearly, and, and then Mercury went retrograde, and now they regret what they did. And now Mercury is in retrograde, and they regret what they did. Right? And shortly thereafter, <laughs> Venus is uh, in retrograde in their 12th house, right, in Capricorn. Yeah, yeah. So there's this, yeah. so all of these are very clearly showing up in your timing. Um, well, at the same time, we've got uh, Jupiter in Pisces in your second house of money. So again, we don't know what this is doing exactly to your natal chart because we don't know what the planetary placements are. But at the very least, we can set the signs for uh, what your birth time was based off of that Aquarius rising and then interpret to some extent the uh, planetary positions now, these sort of transits. That said, again, you'd need to like a, an annual reading or you need a natal reading to look and see which planets in particular are being highlighted in your chart through, um, you know, transits to the natal chart, but also to determine which particular planets govern the year for you. Not all transits hit us the same way, right? Maybe Mercury is not a particularly important influence for you this year, or maybe it is. We don't know. It just depends on your actual birthday. But it is very clearly that you are experiencing that shift in Mars from the 10th house to the 11th house, um, and particularly depending on when your midheaven is. So there's, this is a this is a real uh, <laughs> astrological weather moment that really highlights it. Like I mean, to the day, your ninth to the 13th is the sh- is the beginning of the shift of Mars from Scorpio into uh, Sagittarius, and so that speaks to this particular circumstance. I have pulled one card here as an outcome card because I was looking at this chart. I said, all right, well. This tells us why she's experiencing what she's experiencing, why Ruby's going through this particular moment in, in which things aren't uh, working out. And again, I wish she was on the phone. I think she was the person who asked us last week for a reading, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I wish she was on the phone so we can get some, some clarification. But uh, this, this gives us the why. This gives us the explanation. The card that I have pulled here is... Will this person find some job that is fulfilling for them? And we have the Eight of Pentacles. And the Eight of Pentacles is a person who is working, building up. They are an apprentice, mastering a particular craft, and we can see that they will make mistakes and errors. Uh, this is a person who is sitting on a bench, working on their coins, and one of the coins has been tossed to the side, indicating that that's a coin that they were working on but didn't quite master. The rest that they've done a good job on, they've now put up for display and therefore purchased. And so this means that you will likely end up working for yourself, but it will be or working in a profession where you have a great deal of autonomy. 
So autonomy will play a big role for you. That doesn't always mean self-employment, but it does mean a good deal of, it might be contractor work, it might be independent consulting of some sort, but there is some autonomy here. There's no one watching this person, but that's a long way off and you're going to have to actually practice your craft, working and building slowly until you're able to really put yourself out there. This may be a process of several, several years and there will be regrets and there will be second guesses along the way. So there is a hopeful answer in this Eight of Pentacles that yes, there is a light that you'll eventually land a job that's perfect for you, but you're going to have to keep working at it and you're going to hit a couple duds along the way before you're able to finally find your niche. And the key here is finding your niche, what you're good at, uh, as well as what will give you some sense of autonomy and accomplishment. That's what I see here. I'm going to turn this over to Dr. Murphy and then we're going to have Ms. Kat give some real work advice. Okay. Hi, Ruby, uh, on the airwaves there. I hope you can hear me. I did a, a tarot card, um, a little short reading, um, four-card spread, past, present, obstacles of the present, and the future. And the card that came up in the, in the section of the past is the death card reversed. Now, when the death card comes up reversed, that's about stagnancy. That's about nothing happening. That's about being stuck. There's no transformation that's occurring. And it sounds like you left that past job precisely for that reason. You were just unhappy, stuck, nothing was changing, nothing was getting better. And uh, if, if anything, that's a signal that you probably made the right decision um, because no one wants to be stuck in quite literally a dead-end job. Um, the card that's sitting in the present uh, section is the Hierophant. Um, it's a, a, a rich card. I think with, with regard to what you're struggling with, with regard to trying to find your, uh, your dream job or the, or the career that really um, uh, makes your heart sing, is that there, there is a need for this to be um, spiritually meaningful. There's, there's a need here for this to be something that engages your, your intelligence and your heart. Um, I also can't get past the, the fact that he's, he's, um, the Pope there is sitting over the keys while, while two priests are kind of sitting on either side. There is a sense that there's, there's some gatekeeping that you have to um, engage in, that there's some, you may possibly some training or people that you know that are going to let you into this new, uh, this new career, this new aspect that um, you need to be aware of. The card that falls into the, the conflict or the complication with the present is temperance reversed. And um, the, I, what I can't get past is you are, and you are Aquarius in so many of these aspects of your chart, and is that Aquarius is the water bearer, and temperance is literally moving water back and forth between two cups, the angel is on the card, and is also standing with one foot on the water and one foot on the land. And I, I, my gauge with regard to this in, in, with this card landing here is that, you know, Aquarians, I'm Aquarius moon, Aquarians are very analytical. We're, we, there's an enjoyment of um, engaging your analysis and kind of moving that, that energy back and forth in order to analyze things. And, and when temperance comes up reversed, it means that that's stuck. Um, there is something about going forward into a career um, that you will, you will need to have those analytical skills that you have and that you really enjoy really, really engaged, and it's not happening for you yet. 
Um, I'm wondering if there's possibly a worry that, you know, taking a job that's a little bit too easy or a little bit less challenging is ultimately going to be unsatisfying for you. But there's, there's hope. The card in the future is the five of pentacles reversed. And this is, this is the, the picture of the, of the poor people walking outside of the church in the snow under the stained glass window with five of pentacles on it. But it came up reversed, which means this period of unhappiness and poverty and desperation, all these things that are not satisfying for you, you're going to come up. You, you, you've you've uh, hit as far bottom as you're going to go, and there is actually um, success and health that is going to be on the way. So I, I, I'm gauging through this reading that it's going to be a matter of really sitting with what it is that challenges you and what it is that you need to accomplish in order to move through the gates of, of a new career that's going to give you the strength to be able to find that, that dream career that you want. I hope that helps. All right. Well, I had one comment about that of Five of Pentacles reversed. I don't read reverses, but I would even consider that to be a timing card and that winter is going to be hard and that when winter is over, things will improve. But that's just mm-hmm. me, uh, the way I read cards. Now, um, I I do have to say that there is um, a lot of stuff going on in Aquarius right now. Um, Saturn is in Aquarius and uh, Mercury is in Aquarius. And this is not a good time for Aquarians and those with the moon in Aquarius are afflicted a little bit too. And Mercury is retrograde. So this is not the best time to try to undo the thing you did that turned out you didn't want to do. It's a, it, you got to wait this out a little bit. I'd wait out the weather, the astrological weather. So what I'm going to say is that um, that card that Contraman got of the Eight of Pentacles is very useful in terms of magic. It shows um, a person working. It's a it's a card about jobs, about work. And I would make myself a small spell um, consisting of coins having to do with the kinds of tasks or thoughts or ideas that are engaged in your work. For instance, just to give an example, you're going to break down what you liked and what you did not like about the past job, what you liked and didn't like about the present job, what you like and don't like about who you are and what you want to do. Just as an example... I will give some ideas, such as I'm I'm fine with being outdoors. I'm fine with heavy lifting. I'm fine with sitting indoors and typing. Most people wouldn't be fine with all three of those. I'm I'm fine with taking orders from a boss and and swearing fealty and allegiance to a boss. I'm fine with being on my own. Don't bother with what you don't want. We're not going to make the two lists. We're just going to make the one list. Find eight things that you like that are um, aspects of a job that you really, really like. And I want you to get eight coins, and these should be numismatic coins, not just tokens or charms. I always like the Sacagawea coin, but, you know, it's gold, it's money, it's the best thing we've had since they stopped making gold money. And I'd like you to look in uh, the book... um, the Guiding Light to Power and Success by Mikhail Strabo and me um, as sort of an uncredited co-author. And in it, Mikhail Strabo talks about lighting what he calls octaves. These are um, a series of eight candles. And 
you're going to put out eight candles. Now, you don't have to put them all out on the table at once, You can, but you want to dress and bless them. And dress and bless them with success oil, crown of success, mixed with steady work oil. You can do as the mysterious Louis de Claremont recommended, dress and bless them all and wrap them up for future use. Um, or you can do as Michael Strabo um, recommended and you know, put them in a holder that has many little holders or put little holders together in a row. And you're going to light one of them every night for eight nights. And every one of them has a coin in front of it, and every coin is marked in some way to represent that which you feel good about in your job. So you can use a pen knife and actually carve into the brass coin with a steel pen knife. You could write it on a paper and put the paper underneath it, even a post-it, you know, whatever it might be, and then wrap the coin up in that after you're done. But if you don't, uh, if you carve into the coin just a, an avatar, a symbol, an icon, that's fine too. So however you do it, you're going to light a candle, and you're going to take that coin. You're going to dress the coin with that combination of crown of success and steady work oil, and then place it under that candle, candle holder or whatever you want to say. If they're all from a branched candelabra, then just put it in front underneath where that candle is. When all eight of them have been burned and you've thought well and truly about the eight things that you like about working, whether it's saving money in the bank or having flexible schedules, there's something that you're good at and there's something that you like. We want only positive things here. You're going to take those coins and, uh, of course, the candles will have gone out, and you're going to take those coins and I want you to give them out to people who are asking or begging for money um, or people who are doing jobs that they may not be enjoying. Give them out as charity and say, as I give you the coin of my adaptability to flexible work schedules and different job descriptions during the course of the day, I hope that you too find a job. Pray for me as I pray for you. And giving out charity is always a good way to send your wish into the world. So that is my idea of how I would do it. Uh, does anyone else have anyone to anything to add? That was just so just beautiful. That, that was <laughs> yeah, that was fantastic. Just that this isn't a good time to make any sort of rash decisions. So just uh, be right. mindful of that timing-wise for the next couple months. Oh, yeah. Be, Don't. Oh, I'm yeah. sorry. You're absolutely right, a contraband. Do not start this until Mercury um, and Venus are both direct. Oh, yes. Yeah, which will beginning oh. of uh, Venus will go direct end of this month and Mercury beginning of next month. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you so much. I completely left that out. Absolutely. Do not do this until both of them are direct. Yeah, yeah. And and don't make any big decisions. Like if you're starting to feel regret about something, don't just jump right now. That's okay. You're going to feel regret. There's going to be all sorts of weirdness going on. Wait. Wait. Mm-hmm. Be patient. Don't let, don't let the ways batter you about, so to speak. Just sort of be patient and then make the right decision when the opportunities present themselves. No leaps right now. Mm-hmm. Just wait. Mm-hmm. Okay. Wow. Uh, do you have the actual date on that? I'm just curious for when um, both Venus and Mercury are direct. Uh, Mercury goes direct uh, February 
fourth and fifth, if I'm not mistaken. Fourth okay. and fifth so is that's February. You wait till yeah. Good. That gives you time to get your stuff together. Good. All right. Okay. Thanks a lot. All right. Um, so um, I think the next thing up is our network announcement. The LMC Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rootwork Hour with Catherine Ironwood and Conjurman Ollie, Sundays, 3 to 4.30. The Crystal Silence League Hour with John St. Germain, Tuesdays, 5 to 6. The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron with Elvira Love and Phoenix Le Fay, Fridays, 1 to 2. And Blue Flag Root Radio with Lady Muse, Fridays, 7 to 8. All time specific, add three hours for Eastern, sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. And now it's time for our free spell segment from our special guest, Doc Murphy of rootdocmurphy.com in the Twin Cities of Minnesota and Paganistan. Take it away, Doc Murphy. Thank you so much, Clifford. Okay, the free spell that I am presenting this week is kind of what I call the wisdom while you sleep kind of bundle spell. This is kind of a reminder that wisdom is not always something that you strive for, but wisdom is something that you are open to receiving, sometimes in dreams and sometimes when, when your defenses are down and you can just let it happen. So the ingredients that you will need for this spell include a white flannel bag, uh, a prayer paper and pen, and you will write on the prayer paper the verse Proverbs 1, verse 20 to 21. And it goes, Wisdom calls aloud in the streets. She raises her voices in public squares. She calls out at the street corners. She delivers her message at the city gates. You'll also need some Solomon seal root and some sage, peach tree leaves, and angelica. And you'll also want to have some clarity oil. You want to keep everything nice and clear. And dress the prayer paper with the verse on it with the clarity oil and place it in the white flannel bag with the herbs. You'll want to tie the bag shut and pray for patience and wisdom and for an open heart. You can recite that really beautiful Proverbs verse or pray from the heart or pray whatever your tradition calls you to do. Smoke the the bag, the bundle, over sage. So burn some sage and smoke it with the sage. And place the bag under your pillow to gain wisdom while you are resting and while you are sleeping and in your dreams. And, you know, just to uh, keep it powerful, just re-smoke the bag every four weeks, um, every moon cycle if you follow moon cycles, but every four weeks to keep the the, um, acquisition of wisdom clear and happening. There you go. Wow, that's that is wonderful. I was I was taught um, something. I'm going to pass on. Just this is a, a, a story from my family, and um, I'm, I'm curious if Conjurman has ever heard of something similar to this because we both come from a sort of a Middle Eastern tradition. If you want to be wise, sleep with a book under your pillow. Have you ever heard that? Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was my. I was like religiously followed that in school. Whenever I had a test in particular, like you would, I would spend hours and hours and hours studying and preparing, and then you go to bed, put the book under your pillow so that it sticks to your head. 
that's right. <laughs> I, that was I was taught that many times, and I, I, yeah. um, I that's just what I do. And the result of this, by the way, is my nightstand is a tottering tower of books <laughs> all around it. <laughs> I, I did there, this all through high school and college. It actually started in middle school when my grandma told me it. Uh, and I did it for math test at first. And then in college, I just did it for any time I had a test. I'd prepare by, I mean, I'm not, that college, I wasn't like a kid anymore. I was still doing this. It was still very much part of my tradition. <laughs> and then let me tell you, it does work. If you study and you prep, if you study, 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 like don't just put it under your pillow and expect it to just pop into your head through osmosis. You study <laughs> and then you place it under your pillow and it really does help the information to stick. Yeah. Well, there, in, there in are the, many times in the chat. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say, there were many times in graduate school where I fell asleep with a book over my face, but I don't think that was quite the same <laughs> as sleeping with it under your pillow. <laughs> well, Nagashiva asked in the chat, is this the assimilation of the spirit of the author of the book? No, not the author. The words. The actual <laughs> words are supposed to go into your head. I don't I don't need to know what Mark Twain's life was. We're ha- going to be having a test on... Tom Sawyer, right? <laughs> I need the words. So, yeah, that's the, one of the earliest times I did that, actually, back in a long time ago. But this spell with the herbs is really nice, too. And you can combine those, you know. You can make yourself um, a wonderful wisdom bundle and put that um, under your pillow. And um, you can put the book under your pillow as well. And... Um, Think about, of course, I think that comes from cultures, contraband, from cultures that respect and admire the written word. And those yes. that uh, yeah. that are not that wordy don't have that particular um, folklore. Yeah. <laughs> those that those that view written word almost as magical, you could definitely see um, that yeah. influence there. But also the idea of putting things under your pillow goes back pretty I mean, pretty far back. We have pouches and satchels and all sorts of things, even little stone carvings that were placed under pillows. That's right. That's right. So, yeah, sleeping on something, and I love the idea of wisdom while you sleep. That made me immediately think of the Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. (laughs) (laughs) I got a billion songs running through my head, folks. It's just crazy. Yeah, wisdom while you sleep. <laughs> but um, but there's a there's another thing you can do also if you um, want to have dreams that will be those that make you wise. You can also use those exact same herbs and burn them on charcoal um, and just smoke your room a little bit before you sleep. That's another way to do the same kind of work. Remember that herbs are very adaptable. You can also, hey, maybe you live with somebody and they're like, I don't like it when you put herb bundles under your pillow, you stupid fool, right? <laughs> you can just take those same herbs and boil them up and make it, not boil, but you know, steep them and make a tea and just um, wash the bedding, especially the pillowcases, in those same herbs and your partner will probably never be the wiser. So mm. we know that, that working hoodoo 
spells is domestic. And one of the things about yeah. it is that it's very adaptable because it's domestic. It's not that you always have to be doing, you know, exactly some kind of ritual, but that there mm-hmm. is um, other ways to approach it. And yeah. one of the, um, I want to recommend a book here as far as being able to do these kinds of works while living with someone else. It's a very good book called Women's Work by mm-hmm. Aura LaForest. She wrote a whole book. And why it's called Women's Work? Well, because it's things that are good for women. But it also talks a lot about how to make your house a magical house and how to do magic in a context where you're not, um, you know, it's not ceremonial magic. It's domestic magic. Mm-hmm. Some good yeah. ideas. Yeah. All right. Okay, well, here is our music. We're going to turn this over to our announcer, and Cliff Lowe is going to give us some ideas about um, what else is in our world. Take it away, Clifford. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Catton Conjurman. Thank you, Doc Murphy at RootDocMurphy.com and the Twin Cities of Minnesota and Afghanistan for being our guest this week. We invite you to join us next week when our special guest, we Deacon Millett, bring us a tutorial on how to become a professional psychic. Once again, we've come to the end of another Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Network Hour brought to you by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California. You can find Miss Cat via the Lucky Mojo Forum at forum.luckymojo.com and Conjurman at Conjurman Consulting in Mission Viejo, California. I'm your announcer, Clifford Lowe, joining you from clifflow.com. The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Network Hour can be heard every week live on Blog Talk Radio at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern Time, and the shows are available in archive via luckymojo.com slash radioshow.html. For all of us at Lucky Mojo, I'd like to thank you for being here and invite you to tune in once again next week at this same time when you will hear the familiar strains of the Memphis Jug Band playing the Jug Band Waltz. Thank you, everybody. Goodbye. Thank you, Clifford. And um, thank you, Doc Murphy, so much for being our guest. Um, This was an interesting topic to me because I'm often asked about it, and it's nice to be among colleagues to discuss it. Thank you, Conjurman, for your constant wisdom. It's always a pleasure. Yeah. So um, what's new and what's coming up? I just want people to remember that um, this is the time. If you ever thought of joining Hoodoo Psychics or AIR, this is the time to apply. Now, I also want to remind people, and I'm getting a little um, boring and repetitious, you can find me <laughs> on Patreon. I have a Patreon account, and it's Patreon slash Catherine Ironwood, of course. And um, if you join my Patreon account for $2 a week, you support me in writing articles about folk magic. One year later, those articles go public and are given to the public. Two of them have already gone public. If you haven't seen them, follow me on Instagram or Facebook and you'll see the announcements about the new public pages. If you can afford it, please do consider supporting me on Patreon. Thanks a lot. Good night, all. Good Good night. night.